Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, badder, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I left corporate America to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of my own media company, my goal is to change the world for my daughter and her friends. My first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, dropped late 2018 and is based on what women wish they would have known when they were girls. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a safe place for us to share our goals and our dreams for the future. We record every week from the sound studio at The Space LV. Lisa Pongrass had the dream life, a big, beautiful home, cars, boats, and a perfect marriage with a fantastic husband. But all of that came crashing down after the great financial crisis of 2008, forcing them to sell everything, but also inspiring chapter two of their lives. Lisa shares with us the struggles she faced after leaving Australia to have a fresh start in New York City, and how she went from a 1950s style housewife to a self-reliant entrepreneur. Lisa Pongrass is the founder and CEO of Canvas & Hyde, a luxury handbag company based in Brooklyn, New York. An acclaimed interior designer and fashion stylist in her Australian homeland, Lisa has over 20 years experience that has propelled her to the forefront of fashion and beauty on an international stage. Although she was at the forefront of the fashion industry in Australia, she immersed herself in a new challenge in the States, an intense education of the intricacies of the manufacturing process. To assure quality control, Lisa delved into researching and learning the craft of luxury handbag construction for over a year, determined to source the finest quality and sustainable materials in partnership with environmentally responsible factories. Lisa collaborated with factories in Italy and the US. With a strong vision and meticulous research, Canvas and Hyde was born. Today, Lisa and I discuss her business being born out of necessity as a single mom, turning pivots into pirouettes when facing challenges, and how true magic happens just outside of our comfort zone. Let's dig in. I'm so excited to introduce to the Gold audience today, Lisa Pongrass. Lisa, thank you for calling in from New York. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I, um, I'm so excited to talk to you because we have mutual friends um, who, who put us together, um, some people that I love in New York, and uh, they wanted to share your story. And I was, we were talking a little bit be- before we got started, and there's a word that was used in conversation that has become a big word in my life, and that is the word pivot. And I love what you're doing and your story because you have made a big pivot in life. And a lot of people are very fearful of having to change direction. And so I wanted to dig into that with you because I think it's an inspirational story. And I know it starts in Sydney, married with your husband, 2008. What happened? (laughs) Well, I had the dream life. I had the beautiful big house and the beautiful garden, beautiful cars, boats, um, fantastic husband, perfect marriage. And um, 2008 was in Australia what we call the the GFC because we shorten everything in Australia, the great financial crisis. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people lost a lot of money, including us. So um, I remember my husband coming home and being really, really sad and saying, honey, we've got to sell the house. And I think I'd been shopping at Fendi the day before. I had no idea. I had just had no idea. And then our world fell apart. 
basically. But we rallied and we sold the house and we took our daughter out of private school and sold the cars and all of that. And I remember saying to him, honey, why don't we just take Amber, our little girl, and go away for a year, go somewhere really different and have a change of scenery and, um, I don't know, have a sea change. So we did. And we came to New York. And that was the beginning of this part of the journey that I guess is is chapter two of our lives. In that chapter two, I know that you, you shared with me that, you know, you're looking for a fresh start. But it seems like every time you guys would start to be like, okay, direction change, there was a new little like bump in the script. Like someone was like, okay, well, let's just see about that. And yeah. you mentioned um, that you had a trusted friend who was going to help you kind of rebound. So, yes, I had a friend that I'd known since I was 19 who was a lawyer. And he befriended both of us when we moved to New York because he lived there as well. And he said, oh, I, I, I'm investing in this hedge fund and I can get you in, which is apparently how they speak. I now know. And my husband, who, you know, had had lost a substantial amount of money, was tentative at first and then, you know, put a little bit in and then he had the returns and then we had the uh, statements of money that we were making that was being rolled back in. And we did that for a number of years, thinking that we were accruing credit or capital mm -hmm. into this mm -hmm. fund. And it turns out that none of it was real. It was a Ponzi scheme. And he threw himself in the Hudson, survived, and is now in jail. Mm -hmm. But it was just another, you're right, another bump in the road, another hurdle. How could we have been so stupid? After everything we'd been through, we you know, really blamed ourselves um, for maybe not doing the right due diligence and, and working it all out. But, wow, it's just you never know who you can trust and who you can't. But, yeah, he, he took a lot of people down, including his own family and his closest closest friends it's so interesting to me because I come back I come from the financial services background I oh. was in in finance and um it's it's so amazing how predatory behavior um can can infiltrate that part of the world and you talk about kind of rescuing people or not me but I've seen this in in some of the you know uh hedge funds and, and Ponzi schemes and things like that. Like you're going to try to help this person and instead mm -hmm. you lose everything. And I, th I think one of the things that was really interesting to me is when we first started talking before we, we started the podcast, you were sharing with me that you considered yourself almost like a 1950s housewife. <laughs> Tell me about that and that dynamic with your husband. So I married a man um, 19 years older than me and had, gosh, had, like the perfect marriage he had three children from a previous marriage so uh when we lived together for the first time it was like the brady bunch instant family and i loved it i just i took to it like a duck to water it was everything i ever wanted a big family then we had our own child um yeah it, wow it's making me emotional just thinking about it and so i became that really subservient you know don't get me wrong i, I wasn't wearing an apron and hoovering, but mm -hmm. I was I was definitely taking a back seat and just doing everything I could to be 
the perfect wife, the perfect mom, have the perfect house and, and get it all right because that's what I thought I needed to do. It's so funny when you look back and you look at your younger self and, and you think about what you valued back then. And I did value that. That was really important for me to make a beautiful family and a beautiful home. But I kind of lost myself a little bit in that. Yeah. No, I can, I can understand that. When you, were in, when you were in New York, I know that you guys had more challenges that, that came up. Um, and your husband headed back to Sydney, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? So he did. It was a long, really sad process. Um, my husband had CLL, chronic lymphocytic leukemia, and it got to a stage where he needed to go back to Australia to have treatment. So he did. And the treatment was, um, I think it was, uh, it was chemo and radiotherapy, and it took about six and a half months. Um, so we were kind of forced to be apart, even though every holidays we would go and meet and meet other places halfway in between. Um, I kind of in that time was forced to take control of all of our life and our daughter's schooling. And I, I don't know if you have kids going to high school in New York, but just that whole application process of getting your kids into school is, it's insane. It's in all the interviews and applications and essays and tests. And, and I did that with her um, on my own. And then then I had a horrible accident. I used to cycle on the West Side Highway and I was cycling one day and someone heading south came into my lane and his handlebar hit my finger, which was on the, the brake of my racing bike and severed it on the spot. So yeah, pretty horrible accident to have. But, you know, I went and had an amputation and I had to um, heal from that. And I guess what it did in a way is it, it made me stronger. It made me grow up a little bit. Well, it sounds like while your husband was, you know, unfortunately um, having his, his chemotherapy and radiation therapy, it sounds like you were also kind of stepping into parts of yourself, right, that were unknown so, to some extent. Yeah, losing parts of myself on the West Side Highway and stepping <laughs> into parts of myself. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of a journey back to that person that you might ha might have lost um, in marriage. You're finding it in New York City of all places. Isn't that insane? Yeah, totally did. I, New York City was it toughened me up, and but in a good way, in a really good way. It made me um, accountable. It made me fend for myself. Um, and then my husband came back to New York when we found out that our friend. Uh, Charlie Bennett had thrown himself in the Hudson. So he flew back. And then, um, oh my gosh, two days after my husband arrived, my mother had a stroke. So I left and flew back to Australia for the next two months. So the universe, the universe kind of threw a lot of crap at us and said, here, deal with it. Mm -hmm. And sadly, we, we didn't deal with it well enough. Um, so it caused us to unravel as a, as a couple. Yeah. What was that that decision? What did that look like? Oh, it was so sad. It was heartbreaking, actually. Really, really sad. But, you know, we both wanted different things. It's so interesting in a marriage. You can you can be so compatible, but if you want to live different lives, 
one of you has to compromise. And if one of you is not willing to really compromise, then it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. what happened in our case. Um, but I kind of think, looking back, this, this happened four years ago that he left. I kind of feel like it forced both of us to really look at ourselves and look at our life and, and step into those parts of ourselves that were dormant. So in some kind of a weird way, it, it made us both grow up, <laughs> which is odd because he's 19 years older than me. So I, <laughs> I think I, I've, I've met a lot of older people who act like 12-year-olds. So <laughs> like I think it just depends. I've met some who act like oracles. So yeah. I just think it depends yeah. on where you are in, in your life and what experiences you've been through. And yeah. what I loved about your story specifically was the idea that you can pivot at any point. And I think so many times people stay in marriages or situations because they're comfortable, right? Yeah. And so some of it, your comfort was taken away from you in a lot of ways. You were you, know, you were realize now the comfort is in when you're out of your comfort zone. That's the the true magic happens there. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted. No, absolutely. I think it's so true. And I think there's no growth outside of your comfort or in your comfort zone. You can stay in a place where you have all types of security, but it's false security, right? So many people experience that during all of the economic downturns, the people who had built these kind of mansions in the sky with these ideas of we're safe, all of a sudden mm -hmm. are having experiences that they didn't expect and that kind of, you know, knocked them to their knees. And then to be faced with having a, a trusted friend steal what you have left and your husband having to go through chemotherapy and all of these different things, I think sometimes create the situation where it's like, what do I have? Who am I? What am I made of? And, and how do you rise from that place? And so like, how did, what was that for you? Did you ever have a moment where it was like, oh wow, like I've got to figure this out or was it just a series of events awesome. that happened? No, well, a, a combination of both, actually. And you just mentioned a word before that it just resonates with me. You said safe. Mm -hmm. And my my raison d'etre, my whole life, was to have a life filled with security. Mm -hmm. So for me, that looked like marriage, a nice house, gorgeous kids, um, a lovely husband. Like, security looked like all of that. And what I realized going through this this forced pivot in a way is that there's no such thing as security you can think you have it all and the next day it's gone and you didn't design it that way there's money doesn't make you secure health is probably one of the the things that keeps you secure but you know the perfect relationship can end the, everything nothing lasts forever and that was probably one of my mistakes thinking that that what I had would last forever um but understanding there's no such thing as security helps you to, to recognize that and to keep striving and, and pivoting. Yeah. I think it's so interesting because for me, like one of my biggest issues through life has been needing security and not necessarily money, but also I have personal security and safety, like feeling mm -hmm. – um, I, I grew up in a violent neighborhood personally, so I know for me it's very important that I feel safe. I'm very hyper aware of my surroundings, things like that. I want security. I want safety. But you're right. Everything is um, – you never know what the next day is going to bring. And I think a lot of times 
those who've come into financial security all of a sudden have moments where they're like, oh, wait, this isn't as stable as I thought it was. Like Mm -hmm. anything can be removed from you at any point in time. And what a delicious place to (laughs) build from. When you get to the place where you're like, all bets are off. Like I'm willing to take risks because none of this is assured, like none of this is promised to me, like you can create massive change. You can change who you are. You can change your lifestyle. You can change the trajectory. And that I think is like such a beautiful place to work from. I am so excited to finally announce what I am working on because it has been so hard not to talk about it. Today, Gold is brought to you by Live Media and I couldn't be more thrilled. Live is an app that will launch Christmas 2019. I have partnered with a team previously of Disney Pixar who want so deeply to use tech for good and we're using tech for great. I have a special VIP experience built out and planned for my gold listeners. You guys have been on this journey with me so I can't wait to introduce you to my baby. Through mindfulness and accountability offerings including meditation, breathwork, intentional living routines, challenges, and lifestyle coaching, Live will provide you with the tools, community, and support you need to live your very best life, leveling up in every aspect. Live meets you where you are and grows with you. Each week, your Live Lab will be curated with talks, articles, meditations, visualizations, challenges, and support to help you move your goals forward in 90-day increments. At the end of 90 days, we will celebrate your accomplishments with you before assisting in selecting those goals you'd like to include in the next 90. Available to you at all times is a phone or chat session with an accountability coach, a master coach, or through an email submission to Dear Live so that we can support you every step of the way. Live is your lifestyle and productivity concierge, a thoughtful guide and an intuitive coach to help you get out of your own way, to create, to pay it forward, because a healthy you today means a healthier world tomorrow. Gold listeners will receive a free 30-day VIP experience. That means access to all of the bells and whistles by using code GOLDVIP, all caps, at loveisviral.com. Again, that is loveisviral.com, code GOLDVIP in all caps. Join the movement. You can change who you are, you can change your lifestyle, you can change the trajectory. And that I think is like such a beautiful place to work from. And I know I, I've read that like Martha Stewart had before she went to prison, had like seven <laughs> different careers before she was a media mogul. Like all I remember reading that um, Vera Wang, she was, I think, in her 40s, the first time she designed a dress. And it was for either herself or a friend. Uh, Mm -hmm. Morgan Freeman didn't actually become a movie star until he was in his 40s or 50s. So there's like Mm -hmm. all of these things where people have come into who they are, what they're known for much later in life after having their own trials and tribulations. And I'm curious Mm -hmm. for you, um, when, when you decided to split, what was, what was that shaky ground you were standing on? What did it look like and what decisions did you have to make? Well, here's where the second part, when I I said to you that it felt like both for me um, in a career pivot, something kicked in. And I think as a parent, your desire to give a a level of, I I, I don't want to say the word security again, but with your kids, you want to make them feel safe. Mm -hmm. That was so strong for me, for my daughter, that I just kept telling her not to worry about anything. I've got your back. I've got you covered. And I went into sort of system overdrive. I, um, 
when my husband left, I was on a spousal visa, so I really didn't have a way to stay in the country um, except to start a business. So um, I wrote a 56-page business plan on Canvas and Hyde, which is the business, and it's so funny because it was a blank canvas and the Jekyll and Hyde duality of human nature. That's, where the- <laughs> That's I love that. That's awesome. So it's funny because people think it's about leather and fabric, but no, it's about like you never know what someone's really like. Um, And so I took it to immigration. They loved it, gave me four years, and that's how the business was born. It was really born out of necessity and needing to stay here so my daughter could finish school. I'm so fascinated that you took to immigration your business plan and they were like, yes, you can do this. They loved it. They loved it. I make these – Oh, anyway, I do these things and the guy there said, oh, I'd like one of those. And it was just great. It, oh, you took that, them. You took them actual products. No, no, no. I had pictures and oh. everything in the plan because you're not allowed to take anything because you're behind a, a, a petition, a glass petition. But yeah, he, he flipped through it and he said, I'd like one of those. So I, I just think that for me then the universe transpired to come together after all the shit that we've been through and said, right, we're going to give you a helping hand. And the next, just everything happened so fluidly. And look, not without a lot of hard work, but sure. but the, okay. it just fell into place. It all just sort of happened. So tell me about it. And, and I know they're, they're, they're beautiful handbags. So <laughs> what made you decide that this was the business? Were you ever up late at night? Like, what the heck am I going to create so that I can stay here? Like, what yeah. was the, what was like the, the moment where you're like, oh, it's this, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. 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 Actually, I wanted to do candles and I, I started a business plan about these special candles. Um, and my husband said, eh, everyone does candles. I said, yeah, everyone does handbags. But, you know, I think if you have a point of difference and a good eye, um, I just have always loved them. I think one of the most important things if you're going to career pivot later on in life is to do something you absolutely feel passionately about. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a passion every day when you get up and go to work, it's it's much more difficult. It should be about something you love, especially when it's probably the last career pivot <laughs> do you yeah. think well and I, I I'm curious like do you think that you you made something that you would enjoy using was it the creative outlet of creating handbags that was interesting oh totally I wear my bags every day it's really sad I have a wardrobe full of designer handbags that I can't wear because I'm wearing mine every day but that's okay that's good too yeah, yeah I, I just do something I, I create essentially for myself um which I don't know if that's how you meant to do it or not, but that's what I do. I love that. I think of that with gift giving, right? So when I give a gift, I give oh, something that do. I would want. Yeah. And, and then like, you say when they don't like them, you're like, really? I love that. I'll have it back. Yeah. No, I usually am try, I try to be very, very thoughtful about, about gift giving. But the reason I asked about the creative outlet is for me, it's kind of interesting. I have stumbled. I'm in, you know, second part of my – I think of my life as being as like it's in halves. <laughs> I've lived one half and I'm in my second half. It's like the second act where I'm creating. And it's so funny because what I'm finding is that I so enjoy being creative. And like even this podcast, um, 
I just love doing it because I'm a conversationalist. I love talking and I love hearing people's stories. And so I'm like, well, there has to be something there. And um, finding something that lights you up. And I, I looked over a lot of business opportunities as I was making the decision to leave finance and kind of move into work that was more aligned to who I was. And I looked at so many different platforms in so many different ways, but it had to be something that felt good to me that I enjoyed, but also offered me some fun. Like there had to be something fun to it. And I had to be able to talk and relate to really cool people. Not because I needed to be like, I know this person, but because I'm like, I'm becoming better every day because of these interactions and these things that I'm getting to experience. And did you feel like, you were embarking on something that was really out of your comfort zone because you didn't know anything about it? I did and I didn't. So one of the things that I'm doing um, is developing an app and I know nothing about technology. (laughs) And so what's funny is that I spent a lot of time researching different platforms and I would play with them and then I'd be like, this isn't it. This isn't the one. This isn't the thing. This isn't the thing. And oddly enough, Um, I happened to get an email in my inbox from a company that wanted to help me with my social media. And it was the most well-written and professional, um, kind of sales pitch I'd gotten. And Mm -hmm. so it made me curious. And so I clicked on the LinkedIn profile and sure enough, it took me to uh, a larger company that owned this smaller company that, um, develops apps. And I happened to be like, Hey, I think I want to develop an app. And the gentleman I ended up talking to what used to be the former lead technician for Disney Pixar and he he his purpose what he wanted to do in life which was use technology for good Mm -hmm. aligned with mine and so then I went and I bought the book um how to build a billion dollar app and like crash read it so that I could sound intelligent when I talked to him the second time and it's just amazing well it's just been like one of those things where you can be uncomfortable, but you're never going to learn unless you do it. Sure. You have to be willing to do it. You have to be willing. I mean, for you, like, I think it's so interesting that you've been um, what you called a 1950s housewife for so long. And through the course of these multiple little trial, not little, but multiple trials, right, mm-hmm. that have come along, it's pushed you out of your comfort zone and place of self-reliance. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm an entrepreneur. That's a big <laughs> jump. <laughs> like, you know what else? You know, I think too, for, for women especially, and men as well, you have to be prepared to fail and make mm-hmm. mistakes. Because I don't know about anyone else. I have such a high standard that I set for myself. Not for anyone else around me, but for myself. And when I fail, I get I get angry at myself. But that's when you learn, mm-hmm. like making mistakes. And so I've made so many mistakes in my business. I wish I could rewind the clock and start again without those mistakes. But if I hadn't done them, I wouldn't have learned how to build a business. What's your relationship with failure now? Like, do you do you welcome it? Or are you like, oh, here we go again, like another setback? Like, what's your relationship when something happens and you weren't expecting it or there's a turn of events? That is a good question. Uh, it, it really depends on the level of failure. If it's something uh, I've just designed a bag and there's um, a part of it that's that's not sitting right and I feel, oh, you know, I spent all this money on the prototype and the sample and – and making it and I didn't pick that up you know early enough and it's mm. kind of late now that that's one level of of feeling upset at myself 
but then there's there's a whole other level of that and when it involves because I'm self-funded I've put all of my life savings into this um you know if I if I make a mistake that I did make a mistake with I had a shipment come in with FedEx and I didn't make sure that it was insured with my my carrier and I just assumed that the people sending it to me were going to do that and they lost it Mm. so I lost eight thousand dollars in one you know they lost one of four boxes so that that kind of thing makes me really mad at myself I love that you do that again <laughs> yeah no and I love that you bet on yourself though too putting your life say I kind of have done the same thing like I'm I'm self-funded at the point this point and it's like this is all I got and <laughs> this is my blood sweat and my tears and yeah. here's the other thing that's really interesting is that I've gotten so good at the pivot that it's now become like a pirouette and I am no longer attached to any of it so wow. if tomorrow my developer came to me and said this isn't the thing, I'd be like, pivot immediately, pirouette, D- uh, ballet shoes on point, me like in a tutu, pirouette. Okay, I've got, we've got something else. And I think that I've, I've had to get to that place because I realized that when you become incredibly attached to the outcome being the only outcome, you are definitely setting yourself up for failure. That's so interesting. That's so interesting. I'm, um, yeah, I, I wow. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm so in my business now that, that I probably need to take a step back and look at it really, but I'm so in it. Yeah. And I'm, well, it's harder with fashion because, you know, I have to pre-order next season's bag. So, and everything I do is about me outlaying cash up front. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I guess there is no room for total failure there, but you know, retail's retail's a tricky, tricky business right now. Yeah, I don't. I actually, I tried to design something. I wanted to design some sportswear, and Mm -hmm. I went to meet with a manufacturer that I just adore. I love him, but after we made our first sample, I was like, "This is not for me." This I, and it's not not that I don't love it, um, but I was like, the level of attention to detail that I know I require, Mm -hmm. and. I also, I wear athletic work quite a bit, so I'm very picky. And I'm like, mm-hmm. the amount of investment and time and energy I would have to put into getting this perfect for me, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I couldn't do it. And especially because it's such a competitive market. And now you've got all of these folks who are like, um, everything can be bought online. And you've, what, are, yeah. you know, you're spending more time and money on, on online sales than you are with brick and mortar. Um, it's just a landscape that I was like, I'm going to admit that that's not a landscape I know and I'm not prepared for that. So that was another pivot where I'm like, I think I'm going to go over this route. You sound like you're really busy. I am very busy. I'm very good at being busy. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, I just, uh, farewelled my daughter last week to Chapman University in California. So I'm in New York solo and that means... I'm just going to throw myself seven days a week into my business. I love so it. I'm going to make love- myself busy too. What have you found since you've you. since you've started the company, since people are buying the bags? Mm-hmm. What have been like any big realizations or moments of pride or, or what have you learned about yourself that maybe you didn't know before? I learned that I'm better at business than I imagined. Um, I really always left that up to my husband and didn't think that, that was there was a space in that 
realm for me and I realize I'm I'm actually pretty good. I'm not too bad. I love people. Um, one of the other things, oh my goodness, women. Women are so awesome. I've just I've just met the most incredible business women doing this and I've made some lifelong friends. I've received help from people I've never met. Um, people, it's almost as if, and look, I don't know whether this is just an American thing, but people think uh, this is the country of the great American dream is that you can do anything with enough dedication and commitment and enough of a, a great idea. But I think that people here, they want to see you succeed. So they want to help you mm. apart from the Ponzi schemers that want to rip you off. Most people, <laughs> Most people want you to do well. And honestly, I, I, I met a woman at a drinks party and she said, yeah, sure, send me your bag. She's like my best client now She's oh, in I Dallas. Like just, yeah, I, I've met people that have become great friends and, and the support, the level of support. And maybe that's being older too. Maybe that's something about getting to a stage in life where you're not a threat to any other woman or I don't know. But I don't just, know that I agree with that. I think I believe that people – um, what I've learned is very strong, confident women yes. want to see other women win Yes, because they're so grounded in their own gifts and their own strengths that they don't feel the need to compete with one another. That's one of the things that I've learned that like, like I love and I agree with people want you to win. As, so I do a lot of speaking and I go out into the audience knowing they want to be moved by me. They mm-hmm. want to see or have a great experience. And if you can walk into any room and know the people that are there are rooting for you and want to love you and want to be inspired, it's a completely different mind shift. Really? And yeah, no, and I think that's one of the things I realized too is if you treat people well and you know your stuff, they're going to want to see you succeed. And I have met so many amazing women and men um, both who mm-hmm. – are just like, hey, I have an introduction. Hey, I have a con- contributor. Hey, I've got someone that you should meet. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's a beautiful space to be in. I think, like, I can I can argue that in our patriarchal society, we have a tendency to believe women should compete with one another. But I don't think that people are, like, subscribing to that messaging anymore. I think that that's something that is slowly yeah. kind of going away as more women are stepping into who they are and into their businesses and into their they're, – they're kind of rooting each other on, and I really love that. I, I totally agree. And, look, I, I don't know that it's always been like that. Like, I feel like there's a real shift towards that, for me anyway, in my experience in life. Or, mind you, I, I wasn't a business owner at 20, but I, I do feel that there's – women support each other there is we're, we're stepping into our power mm-hmm. we're stepping into our voices and and i i don't think yeah i don't think it's to the detriment of men i think it's it's helping them as well oh i, I agree i think we need each other yeah <laughs> i think we need each other i think we make really great decisions together one of the other things that you said that i want to like make sure i touch on because i think this is a great landing point for anyone who might be listening is that like you realize things about yourself. You realize you're actually really great in business. One of the things that was interesting for me is that even though I had a very successful career and I was I did really well, like 
you don't realize how gifted and how strong you are until you're given the opportunity sometimes to flex your own muscles. And so you could be in the corporate environment but not realize, like, I'm like, oh my God, like, I really know how to market. I really know how to do these things. I never had to or I wasn't allowed to because I would be stepping on someone else's toes. And when you're given the space to stretch, like I have learned so much about myself and my strength, um, who I am as a leader, my ability to direct, my ability to market, my ability to influence um, that I didn't really know. And so I think that there's there's a really beautiful space when someone's stepping outside of who they've been told that they are based on a performance review or based on, you know, their relationship within their home and they get to actually flex those muscles, I think that that's a really cool place to be as well. Oh, absolutely. And finding out that, you know, you try new things all the time and then surprising yourself with skills that you didn't know you had. Mm-hmm. It's a- and, and also surprising yourself when you realize that you're really shit at other things. Like, I'm so bad with numbers. I was not very good at math at school and, and it shows in my business <laughs> So based on all of your life experience, based on everything that's happened, if you were to look at a younger version of yourself, what age would she be and what advice would you give her? Oh, you know, I'd have to say 18 because that's how old my daughter is now. And I see a lot of myself in her, although she's sort of 2.0, 10 times better than I ever was. (laughs) Um, I think have a voice, have a voice. Don't I, I, you know, I think that I tried so hard in my life to please everyone and to fit in that I didn't dare to speak out, whether it was speak up, speak out or just just be heard. Um, I would like to tell myself to have a voice and keep your independence, whether that's financially, spiritually or intellectually, just keep some independence. I love that. I thought immediately of a girlfriend of mine who married an older man, and he was far more successful than she was. She was successful, but he was far more successful. And Mm -hmm. so she almost started becoming the missus, right? She didn't pressure herself to continue her – to up her game because she knew that she wanted to be – she had an idea of who she could be when she was single, and then it almost was like that person kind of went away, and then she's like, I'm the missus, and I'm going to support him and whatever he wants to do and if we have to move. And I was like, never, never allow a man to take your identity, not because you don't love him and you don't support him, but because – Life has a funny way of surprising you. It really does. And I think, you know, in in deference to the, the husbands, they don't set out to take it. It's something that we kind of were submissive with. And, and it's it's our fault as women that, that we fall into that role. And so it seems like they're overshadowing us, but it's really that we've rolled over and we're being petted on our bellies. It's we're so... Kind of- Yes. Like, so I read something the other day that was talking exactly about that. It was written by a philosopher and it was actually really intelligent. And he was saying, you can't have a patriarchy without the the agreement of the other, right? So some of this behavior, yes, it's toxic, but women on some level have also been part of it, right? And he went way back and he was talking about like how 
way, 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 way back in the day, man, he can't bear a child. And we didn't have the same advances in medicine. We didn't have schooling. and We didn't have all of these things. So there was things that were done just because it was easier. It was easier for a woman to stay home and to take care of the child and to do this. And the man could go and labor. And over the period of time or over, you know, many centuries or whatever, like some things just didn't really change. And maybe they were done out of necessity at one point in time. But yes. I agree with you. I think that, you know, I, I do believe that patriarchal systems of power have become very toxic. But I mm-hmm. also think that women are complicit in some ways um, that we don't even realize. No, we don't even realize. And that's, I just, I lost my voice for a period of time, but I found it again and it's very loud. I love it. Me too. Me, my, I remember one time um, my dad is like, I told him I was dating this guy years and years and years ago. And I was like, I was joking. I was like, oh, yeah, he broke up with me. Can you believe that? And he was like, well, you are very opinionated. <laughs> and I was like, well, that is not the reason that he broke up with me. And I even told the guy and he started laughing. He's like, that's not why. Um, it was it was hilarious. And uh, my my dad, like we grew up in this kind of – environment where the the guy was I would have been in the same situation that you were had I had stayed kind of in that mindset that you know you kind of become subjective or submissive and for me unfortunately it never felt right I argued too much I was always in trouble um the interesting thing about everything though is I wouldn't change it I wouldn't change it I think that it's that experience which was incredible by the way is what has brought me to where I am today. And even though it's tough and frightening as hell and getting out of my comfort zone is always um, nerve wracking, I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah. You learn who you are. And I I spend most of my time out of my comfort zone. (laughs) I'm like so used to discomfort at this point. Um, Then my next question, if you, if this was the end of your life and you were to leave behind some gold nuggets of wisdom or inspiration for those you love or the next generation, what would that, what would that be? Oh gosh. I think two nuggets, two little nuggets, uh, one bigger than the other. Happiness is a choice Mm -hmm. that the way you look at something, I mean, I could have Oh, I could have drunk too much. I could have curled up in a fetal position. I could have gone back um, and and just acquiesced and gone to live at home and taken my daughter out of school. But the way you look at it, I mean, I could have just become a mess after losing a finger and my husband having cancer. I think when you wake up in the morning, you have a choice to make. Are you going to look at things positively and try and make the most of what you have and see your life as filled with abundance or you're going to feel sorry for yourself and um, go the other way. And look, I'm, I'm not saying that people don't suffer incredible loss and grief, but I think happiness is like exercising a muscle. You just have to make that choice. I agree wholeheartedly. I talk to my daughter a lot about choice and how important it is for us to make active choices as to how we want to respond to things and how we want to build our lives rather than allowing situations to tear us down to tear us down you had another one what's the second one just that it's never too late don't Mm. limit yourself it's never too late I'm kind of walking proof that at 47 you can start a business you know nothing about um it's never too late I think we too much in our society too we categorize ourselves we put ourselves into little 
pigeonholes of, oh, well, you know, at this time I will do this and get married and have children. And then at this point I'll retire and I'll go on a cruise. And But that's not the way it is anymore. I think we're living longer. We're living more healthily. Uh, yeah, we, we don't have to limit ourselves at I lo- all. I love that. I think that's so important, um, especially we are living longer, right? And um, <laughs> what used to be, what mm-hmm. used to be that like, oh, I'm too old for that or whatever. I'm like, I'm in my second act. I'm ready to like do this oh. thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. My daughter told me, she's like, what would happen if you lived forever? Like, what if there's no such thing <laughs> as age? And I was like, oh, that's going to be painful. Um, <laughs> well, if we never deteriorate, that would be great. That would be great. That I would just be have great. to tell you the tiniest little story, something that happened to me the other day. And it, it just – my father died um, 10 days ago, and sadly, he died when I was on the plane coming back from Australia. So, you know, it's 14 hours from Sydney to LA, and then I had to come back to New York, get my daughter's clothing, and then go back to college, so fly back to LA. So I missed his funeral, mm-hmm. um, which was devastating for me. We were incredibly close. Um, and I went to, last Friday, I, I went to the nail salon. I had a mani-pedi and, and I was sitting there and the girl comes up and says, do you want a massage? Oh, you're incredibly tight. I said, no, 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 I had a shitty week. I, you know, I lost my dad and then I lost my daughter to college. Um, and I go to pay my bill and the guy at the desk says, oh, no, it's taken care of. Someone paid for you. So a complete stranger in Dumbo, New York, paid my entire bill I didn't know, I'd never met her, didn't speak to her. So I found her name and I sent her an email. And I said, look, I just need to tell you what you did was so special. And it came at a time that I was feeling really bad about life. And and she wrote back and said, I lost my mother last year. I understand. I hope this brings you some happiness. And she was a pro bono lawyer for homeless women and um, women of abuse. And I just thought, what a lovely moment that was. That it, And it just gave me faith in human nature again. It just made me think, people are really nice. They, we are. And it's so funny that you say that because I have had, over the course of the last couple of months, multiple people pay for my drinks at Starbucks in the line. <laughs> what? Yeah, like where you draw. And what's funny is one day I was literally pulling up and I was say, telling the guy, I was getting ready to tell him, like, I want to pay for the drink. For the lady in front of me because she just looked sad I looked at and I like I've had so many people do this for me and he was like oh well yours has already been taken care of and I'm like oh my god how does this keep happening I'm like well please let me take care of hers he's like you don't have to do that I'll comp hers and I was like no are they paying for you because you're looking sad I don't know I just think it's kind of one of those things what I will say is there are days where I play with the idea of walking out of my house with a smile on my face and I have noticed that my interactions throughout the day are completely different and that Mm -hmm. everyone that I see that walks past me on the sidewalk or in line at a cafe or whatever they all smile at me and engage with me and so I guess my challenge to everyone listening today is smile on your face and Pay for the coffee for the person behind you because you're going to make their day. I think that that's like, let's just start this little love bomb for <laughs> for today's podcast. All right. I better go to Starbucks. I know. Or coffee bean, whatever you want to do. Um, <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for being on my show and thank you for your gold. Um, if people want to find you or see your beautiful handbags, where can they go? 
Um, they probably go online because I've got all my stockists on the website, which is canvasandhyde.com. I love it. And I love that it means something more than I thought it did. I thought for sure it was simply the products, but no, it's the blank canvas and the Jacqueline Hyde wallet. It's been so real. I've just told you everything. I love it. Well, that's the, those are the best conversations. Those are the best conversations. And I hope, um, I hope people feel that because I think it's one of those things that um, when you can connect and, and get to the real, um, those are the conversations worth having and listening to. So thank you for being honest with us. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love Lisa's message to not limit ourselves and that it is never too late to start over. Lisa is walking proof that at age 47, you can start a business you know nothing about. You can find Lisa's handbags at canvasandhide.com and follow her on Instagram or on Facebook at canvasandhide. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. I'm always interested in content that uplifts. If you have things you'd like to hear about, please share them with me in the comments. You can also find me on Instagram at ms.janetteschneider or Twitter at msjwrites. Gold listeners, don't forget to sign up for your 30-day Live VIP experience at loveisviral.com, code GOLDVIP in all caps. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Pick up my new book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. And until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day. <laughs>